You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, I will have you believing one thing. You can. In life, we get to make choices. You choose the life you want to live. You get to say how it's going to go. We can choose to create a life we love or we can choose to suffer. You have a say in how your life is going to go. First, you have to face them, and we all need a little help from time to time doing that. Visit my site, fixandrise.com, and receive a complimentary motivational ebook today. Welcome to Women Who Triumph. Our guest today is Rebecca Barnes Hogg. Rebecca, welcome to Women Who Triumph. Thanks, Christine. I'm really happy to be here and excited about the opportunity to share my story. Well, women who triumph, Rebecca, you know, you and I have spoke before, are about women who have overcome certain obstacles in their life to become the woman they are today. Can you share with us, you know, an obstacle in your life? And I know there's there's many, like many of us, there's many stories and many obstacles that we've had to overcome to become the successful woman we are today. So can you share with the audience today of, you know, one obstacle that you've had to overcome? calm to be the successful woman that you are today? Wow, hard to distill that down into one obstacle. So I'm going to take a a step back and and tell you a little bit about me to help put some perspective around the obstacle. I was born in a very tiny town in northeastern Pennsylvania more cows and people think lots of, you know, beautiful mountains, dairy farms, you know, rural country atmosphere. And I grew up in the 70s when there weren't a lot of opportunities for women. My mother never worked outside of the home until I guess it was probably in my early teens, maybe about 13, when my father lost his job and my mother had to start helping with the family finances. 
And, you know, her options for doing that were very limited. It was babysitting and she didn't have a college education. So there weren't really any professions she could do. Plus she had five kids at home. So there were a lot of barriers for her. And I saw that and how that kind of affected our family. And it kind of trickled down because children learn what they see, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was seeing my mother with not a lot of options to become a financial contributor to a family. And I didn't realize this until much later in my life, but we were a welfare family. And, you know, while we had a good childhood, I can't say I ever lacked for anything. I didn't realize that that special colored ticket that I got for school lunches meant that we were poor. And I love the fact that my parents through all of our lifetime never made us feel like we were different from everyone else, that we had what we needed. We just got it in different ways. And then when I graduated from high school, you know, I wasn't encouraged to go to college. I was a girl. So it was get a job in a factory or, you know, go to secretarial school or, um, you know, do babysitting or things like that. And, and I, you know, some of my classmates were like, no, we're going to college, but they had the resources, I guess, to be able to pay for that. And when I started looking into that, I was like, I can't afford college. My family doesn't have money. The student loan programs just weren't there at that point in time. And so I did what, you know, a lot of girls did at that time is I went to the secretarial school, got a little certificate, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. to work for the FBI. So imagine this, you know, quiet, shy country girl who had never been to any kind of a big city before in her life, had never been exposed to any kind of diversity in, you know, ethnicity or other things. And I go to this big city that's busy and loud and bustling and totally unfamiliar. So it was this huge act of courage in, in retrospect that I had no idea I was doing at the time. I just knew that I wanted to leave that small town, that I wanted something better. But I had no idea what that was. So I think that was my first obstacle is just not knowing what I wanted to do. And I think today, a lot of young women have so many choices where when I grew up, there were limited choices, but now we have given them so many more choices that that becomes an obstacle. It's like, how do I choose from everything that's available what I want to do? It can be overwhelming. And for me, it was overwhelming in a different way. It's like, there were no options. so. What do so I what, do? Rebecca, How do I make the best of it? Yeah, Rebecca, when you went to this, you know, big city, uh, you know, did you have a plan and, you know, your housing and, you know, your work, you know, describe that to us. Describe, you know, what that what that was like. That was an interesting thing. You know, when you're young, you don't really plan and think ahead. I had a job, so I had been recruited by the FBI to be a clerk stenographer, and that's a job that no longer exists, so many people don't even know what that is now. So I had a job with the FBI, and they 
had a housing office where they would help match you to roommates. And so I had found a place to stay. It was a two-bedroom apartment where four girls shared this two-bedroom apartment. It was affordable. And I was going to make $11,949 a year. And coming from the small town where I grew up, that sounded like a fortune to me. And then I get to the city and I realize I don't have a car. And just taking the Metro bus to work every day was going to take at least half of the paycheck. And then another uh, 25 or 30% of that paycheck is gone be- with rent and food. And, and by the time I paid everything I needed to pay, I barely had any money left over. And there were a lot of times when I didn't even have money for groceries. So that job that I had that I thought was great wasn't even paying my bills. So now I had this next obstacle of this is not a life I want. You know, I traded, you know, the small town with no potential and went to a huge city where I was overwhelmed by everything going on and thought I had made a great decision and now realized that this was not going to work. But I was one of those very determined and my mother would say very stubborn people who wouldn't admit that I made a mistake. So now I had to figure out how to make this work. And that's when I knew that I had to go back to school, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was also still faced with the stigma of, you know, women are are good for certain things. And I'll never forget the first week I worked at the FBI, we were put in, the girls were put in one room in this big auditorium and the, the boys and the men went to another room and got a different presentation. And in our presentation for the women, we were talked to about how, Because we were working for the FBI, we needed to be very careful because, you know, it was the middle of the Cold War. So Russian spies were going to try to um, date us and become friends with us only because we worked at the FBI and they were trying to steal secrets from us. They were spies. And I remember thinking that was just crazy. That was just simply crazy. Well, I just can't imagine you coming from such a small town because I come from a very small town like yourself, also in West Virginia. And I'm sitting here trying to picture this in my head of you coming from this small town because I can just imagine myself and going to this big city with the FBI, them telling you about the about this. So, wow. But explain more of your feelings on that even more. You know, I was afraid a lot. You know, it was scary for me being in the city. You know, the country is wide open. There's lots of space. There aren't as many people. Um, I'll never forget the first time I rode a bus. I had no idea where I was going. You know, now we have Google Maps and apps on our phone. So imagine you're relying on a printed paper bus schedule with route numbers, and there's no map, and you don't know where to get on. You don't know where the bus is going to stop. And it just sheer, almost in a lot of respects, terror. Like, how am I going to do this? Like, I don't have any idea where I am, where I'm going. So I just had to kind of grab my courage and, you know, overcome my introvert nature, the shyness and the inability to you know, be in a room full of people and feel comfortable. 
And so I would get on these buses and I would sit as close to the bus driver as I could. And those poor bus drivers probably just cringed when they saw me because I just bombarded them with questions about where are we, how much further, will make sure I don't miss my stop, um, those kinds of things. And I was very lucky. Most of the time, the bus drivers would help me or a passenger, you know, would see how scared I was and try to help me and things like that. But, you know, imagine, you know, you're now in a city that has people from all over the world because of the government location and the federal government and everything there and all these people, you know, there was every nationality you could imagine in that city. So different languages, um, the food was different, grocery stores were different, like everything that you could imagine was, was different. So I had to find a way to navigate through all of this and still be successful. And I think what got me through was just that, that stubbornness and that determination to not fail. Because the one thing I didn't want to have to do was to go back home and tell people, my family, my friends, my neighbors, that this was something I couldn't handle. And that alone, I think, is what gave me the courage to be able to figure out how to make everything work and to be able to build not just a career, but ultimately a business from those kind of small beginnings. Right. Rebecca, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, uh, I would like, we would like to hear of how you went from career to business owner that you are today. Okay, great. Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, I will have you believing one thing. You can. In life, we get to make choices. You choose the life you want to live. You get to say how it's going to go. We can choose to create a life we love or we can choose to suffer. You have a say in how your life is going to go. First, you have to face them, and we all need a little help from time to time doing that. Visit my site, fixandrise.com, and receive a complimentary motivational ebook today. Welcome back to Women Who Triumph. We have been speaking to Rebecca Barnes-Hogg about her experience of going to from a small town in Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C., and working for the FBI. Rebecca, can you share with us how you went from career to business owner today? Well, Christine, that was a really long journey, and it had a lot of interesting twists. It took a long time for me to find my fit in life, and it, it was it's still amazing to me every time I would get a new job, and I had over 20 of them in my career, I would call my parents and be all excited because, oh, you know, I got this great new job. And they'd be like, how are people still hiring you? Like, you never stay anywhere. You know, what's going on with you? You, you know, stop doing all this job hopping. And, you know, then I would think, well, maybe I shouldn't leave. But I was not happy in these jobs. And I watched people throughout my entire career go to jobs every day 
that didn't fit them, where they were miserable, where they were unhappy. And then on the other side of that equation, I would watch these managers of these people trying to force them into this mold, this make them fit a job that wasn't right for them. And I was watching everybody just be frustrated and worn out and stressed out. And I knew somehow there had to be a better way to do this. And I always felt like if I have to work for 50 years of my life, it had better be something that I enjoy and that I have fun doing and that I look forward to getting up and doing every single day of my life. And it took a long time and a lot of different roads for me to find that. But the first thing I did was I realized that I needed to go to school. I needed to get an education besides my high school education and my nine-month secretarial program that I had done. And so I started going to school, and I had a lot of mentors who saw the potential in me who kept telling me, Rebecca, you're too smart to be a secretary. And I've gone into um, being a legal secretary and a paralegal and then um, did some other things, took some detours along the way and tried uh, operations and office management and, you know, just business type things. I even did some time, uh, spent some time working in computer networking, uh, did some IT work uh, accounting work. And every job would be okay for a while until I learned it. And then I would start to get frustrated because it wasn't something that once I mastered it, that I still enjoyed. And that ultimately led me to someday or one day I just sat down and I said, you know, I can't keep going from job to job and hoping that you know, the right job is just going to land on my head. I have to be more intentional. I have to be a little more strategic about what I'm doing. And to do that, I have to know what I want, what makes me happy. And that was something that I hadn't really thought about before. I had just kind of gone from one thing to the next and just thought, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. And I think a lot of times we do that as women because we're kind of taught that you know, business and strategy and uh, that kind of stuff is for men. And, and we don't get that same background as women. We're more caring, you know, we're nurturers. We like to see people do well. We help each other, but we forget about helping ourselves. And I think that's something that we need to really share with the younger women that we mentor and help them to understand that there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself first. Exactly. That's a, like a little aha moment for me. I'm just like, wow, she is exactly right. We forget to help ourselves because we're so busy helping everyone else. That was a little aha moment for me. Oh, well, that's great. So I took this kind of, you know, what is, what is it that I want to do? What is it that will make me happy? What did I like in all these different career paths that I took? And it always came back to people. And I was always that go-to person. If someone was having a problem dealing with someone in the office, a coworker, they would always come to me and ask for advice. And so I thought about that and I thought, well, you know, maybe a career in human resources is where I needed to be. So I went back to school again 
And this time I did it much better. My, my bachelor's degree I got in business administration. It took me 10 years doing that part-time at night, paying for it all out of pocket myself. So there was a lot of um, determination and perseverance in there to not give up and to get that first degree, that bachelor's degree. So the master's degree, I decided I was going to get that in human resources, and I was going to do it in two years. So that meant I pretty much worked all day, did school all night, and really didn't have a life for two years until I got that master's degree. And then I started my career in human resources. And I went through all sorts of different variations in HR. It's a very wide field. So I, I got a little bit of exposure to everything, worked my way through that, became a director of administration and human resources for a large nonprofit in Washington, D.C., and just really loved the fact that I could go into an organization where I really was most effective was helping them with their organizational development and their change management and helping them truly get the right people who fit the culture of the organization, who were aligned with their mission and values into the organization so that the organization and the people all succeeded. So you have that synergy that gets created when people like their jobs, the problems that come from managing them, most of them disappear because your people enjoy what they do, they have fun doing it, and, you know, you never get 100% per perfection. But when you get most of those things aligned, people are happier, they're less stressed, they're more productive. And that led me when it came time for my husband and I to make a decision about what we were going to do with the rest of our lives together to creating my own business. Because we were living probably, it was 60 miles from where I was working, but it was two hours or more each way for a commute to and from work every day. And it was affecting our quality of life and it was affecting our marriage. And I didn't want to live that way. So we decided to sell everything in Maryland where we're living outside of Washington, D.C. and move to Myrtle Beach. And when I did that, I realized that I was not going to get another job. It was not something I had any interest at all in doing because I wanted to build a career and a business doing what I loved, which was connecting amazingly talented people with the businesses and the jobs that desperately needed them. And I created YOLO Insights in 2010 and focused in on that recruiting aspect. And a lot of people call me a headhunter, but I'm not really, I, I hate that term because it, it just seems harsh. I really prefer myself or call myself an insightful people connector because I really go deep with my clients and understand what they're trying to accomplish and who the right people will be to help them do that. And that goes into understanding their business goals, understanding their personalities, understanding the type of work that needs to be done. And all of those things, when you pull them all together, you get just, it's just magical when you can find that perfect fit. 
And just a couple weeks ago, I placed a candidate with one of my clients and her response to me was, I don't know how you do this, but it's truly magic. And you are pulling like purple unicorns out of thin air and bringing them to my doorstep. And my business keeps growing. Oh my goodness. I love that. That to me is all the fulfillment I need. It just drives me to do what I do when I can hear that kind of success that just because someone like me came along and understood their business and their needs, I could help them succeed. And that's really, you know, part of the the goal of YOLO Insights is to find that happiness in your work. You only live once as YOLO. And for me, in a work context, that means being able to do what you love and have people around you who support that. And I think that's magical when it comes to being able to do your job. Now, uh, now, Rebecca, I love that last statement because um, that brings me to my, uh, you know, next question for you is um, these young girls that move from small towns like yourself and I and move to these big cities where it's overwhelming and, um, you know, they they don't want to go back home and say, you know, I failed or anything like that. What type of advice would you give these young ladies today or even these women that are out there today? I think you have to, first of all, believe in yourself. And that was something that I struggled with. You know, I was constantly doubting myself. You know, can I really do this? You know, I'm just a small town nobody from, you know, little nowhere, Pennsylvania. Like, who am I to move to a city and do something important? So I think the first advice I would give to anyone is that you absolutely can do it. You are smart enough. You are good enough. And just believe in yourself and go out there and make things happen. Don't wait for things to happen to you. When I think back on, you know, some of the decisions that I made, they weren't always well thought out, but every time I did something, I was moving forward. Now, sometimes I'd move forward and then back a little bit, but I was always moving. There was always something that was driving me and keeping focused on your end goal and then just giving yourself permission to fail once in a while because no one is perfect. And I certainly didn't take a perfect path, but every time I failed, I found something to learn in it. And here's a great example of that. I was taking a job where I was hired to be the HR manager and it was a career bump. It was a step up from where I was because where I was, I felt like I had already maxed out my potential there. My next step up would have been my boss's role. She wasn't going anywhere. So I felt like I had to leave to be able to continue my career progression. The mistake I made, though, was I didn't really research the place I was going. And on my first day there, I found out that the person who had hired me had been fired on Friday, and I show up at 9 a.m. on Monday, and the, and the guy who hired me is gone. And the owner's executive assistant comes and gets me and takes me around the company to introduce me to everyone and calls me the HR lady. 
And then later that afternoon, like I didn't even have a name. I was an HR lady. Later that afternoon, I was told that the only reason I was hired is because they had had this lawsuit that they had to pay a heavy penalty for that cost a lot of money. And their lawyers insisted they hire an HR director. So here I am in this job where I'm not wanted. And I'm only there because a lawyer made them hire me. And the person who hired me is gone. So I knew within the first three hours of this job that I had made a horrible mistake. So I couldn't go back to my prior job and I had bills to pay. So I couldn't just quit. So I had to figure out a way to make that work. And I could have given up. I could have just walked out without a, you know, another job and without a plan. But what I did instead is I went home that night and I said, how can I make this work? How can I turn this into something that's going to advance my career? I viewed it as a challenge and an opportunity to persuade people of the value of human resources and organizations. And ultimately, some of those people who said to me, we don't even want you here and didn't even recognize me by name, but called me the HR lady, you know, 15 years later, they still come to me for advice. So don't let obstacles stand in your way. Figure out a way to turn that obstacle into an opportunity and just keep moving forward. Exactly, Rebecca. Now, Rebecca, if uh, the ladies or the women that uh, that are listening to us today wanted to get a hold of you, how will we do that today? They can get a hold of me. My phone number is pretty easy to remember. It's 843 843- 779 YOLO, Y O L O, or on keypad numbers, it's 9656. So 843 779 YOLO, or they can visit my website at yoloinsights.com, or they can just simply email me at YOLO, or I'm sorry, I got, I got that backwards, uh, Rebecca at yoloinsights.com. Or if they want to be uh, part of my mailing list, they can text the word recruiter to 44222 and they'll get enrolled in my newsletter. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for being on our show today. I know that this your story is going to inspire so many young women, and I look forward uh, to working with you in the future and stay tuned to hear Rebecca more in the upcoming day. Thank you. You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network.